It's Thursday, December 2nd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, or, uh, well, Hoynesy. Uh, it's, it's here. The lockout uh, began last night. Uh, Major League Baseball made the announcement uh, with a letter from Commissioner Rob Manfred, uh, basically telling the fans why they, they decided to lock out uh, the players uh, with the expiration of the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, Manfred said that, you know, if, if, if a lockout isn't in place, then, you know, just like in 94, 95, a strike could happen at any time. And that would, uh, you know, be bad for the business as well. Yeah. That's why in, uh, his letter to the fans, uh, he called it a defensive lockout because, uh, like you said, Joe, in 94, they uh, played the season without a, uh, a basic agreement and the players struck in August uh, because, you know, that's when uh, they knew the, the, the they, they had the owners at a disadvantage because the postseason was coming and uh, that's when most of their money is made or, you know, they, they were, and uh, they really, so he, you know, Manfred just didn't want that to happen again. And that's why he called it a defensive uh, lockout. Well, uh, we're scheduled to hear from uh, Manfred in a press conference later on today, so maybe there'll be some more uh, details. But really, right now, uh, the, the the two sides aren't at the table. The two sides aren't talking uh, currently. So uh, any any hope for a a quick resolution to this is probably pretty far fetched. Yeah, I would think Joe. We're probably looking at uh, you know February February first. Probably, you know, that would be the date that the, the clock really starts ticking. And then, you know, March 1st started, you know, is probably the drop dead date for for spring training. They could get spring training in and to start the season on time. But until then, you know, I think, uh, you know, nothing gets a deal done like a deadline. And and we saw that here with this with this deadline on the mm-hmm. basic agreement with almost what $2 billion of contracts being signed before, uh, before the lockout took place. Right. Uh, moving forward, uh, we've seen major league baseball has taken down headshots of players off of their website. Uh, all these little, little maneuvers, uh, you know, basically legal maneuvers to, to try to avoid uh, name image likeness conflicts, things like that. Uh, can, can these be viewed as sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, some sort of tactic or anything like that by the league to, to try to poke at the players in, in that way. Yeah, I guess so. It seems kind of petty to me, Joe. I mean, I guess if there's legal standing behind it, you have to do that. I, I was listening to Manfred or I read somewhere where, you know, the NFL and the NHL did the same, basically the same thing during their lockouts. So, uh, you know, maybe they're just following precedent, legal precedent here. I was I was worried. I went looking on uh, on Baseball Savant for some some Statcast uh, numbers, and when when the page didn't pop up immediately, I was I was kind of nervous to to see if they had taken anything like that down, but uh, apparently not. Um, uh, and the coverage that you're going to see from from some of these folks is going to be, you know, diving back into the game's history as opposed to you know what's currently going on and, and you know news about current players on rosters because uh, you know the it, it, that's a, an easy subject to write about when there's nothing else to, to really talk about. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really going to be, you know, I think it's just kind of the, the give and take in negotiations here. 
the underlying uh, friction between the two parties. You know, the thing that I find interesting, Joe, is uh, now with the lockout, you know, guys like uh, Josh Naylor, uh, injured players on the 40-man roster, you know, uh, really can't, can't train, you know, in, the, in uh, the Guardians facilities. And, you know, he's coming back from that broken leg. Uh, he's, and, uh, you know, so he's got to seek his own medical, uh, you know, medical uh, care. Uh, but I, you know, I, I found out later that, you know, I think there's still some, some circumstances where, you know, the, the, the team, you know, can, can kind of guide him as to who he goes to and who, mm-hmm. you know, he rehabs with and, and they're still responsible for that. Okay. And uh, I've heard that the, the minor league uh, players who, who aren't, you know, under contract on the 40 man roster, uh, they're still free to use the team's facilities, uh, whether, you know, whether that conflicts with, uh, you know, the, the players association and, and, you know, obviously they're, they're not viewed as, as scabs if they do that because they're not, you know, full major leaguers yet, but. Uh, yeah, and they don't belong to the union either. Right, exactly. So uh, minor leaguers in the Arizona facility and in the team's uh, Dominican facility can still. Uh, come there, practice, work out, uh, try to, you know, work towards improving themselves. Uh, but like you said, uh, major league players, they're not playing winter ball right now because uh, some they're, they're worried about, you know, if they get injured down there, the team doesn't have to cover them. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You know, if they, if they get injured by in a game, you know, where playing for their team, you know, they're still, the team is still responsible, but you know, winter ball, you're, if you're playing in Puerto Rico or the Dominican or Venezuela or Australia, you know, uh, I think you, you're kind of on your own. So I don't know. And the, the Indians have quite a few players, you know, playing in, uh, in winter ball. So I don't know if they come, you know, if they just shut it down or, uh, you know, players on the 40 man, I guess right. you would. Uh, most, of the, most of the guys playing are, are minor leaguers or, well, I guess not anymore. With, well, with, and we with saw Rokio Roki- and Rokio and Tanya, they shut their season. They, they had done yeah. that, uh, you know, within the last couple of weeks here, just to sort of get ready and start their individualized training. But yeah, that, that, especially for a team like Cleveland that has so many young prospects and so many young players now on the 40 man roster, this really does affect them because those guys would be the ones getting into the Arizona facility at this time for the next couple of months and really sort of ramping it up, getting ready for spring training and a big spring training for a lot of them who are trying to earn a spot on the 26 man active roster. Yeah, that's a great point, Joe. You know, they, you know, they, one of the reasons uh, Cleveland moved from Florida to uh, Goodyear, Arizona was because it was a destination, you know, that the players could go out there in the winter and spend their whole winter out there training at the facility, you know, state-of-the-art facility, you know, you're in next to a big city like Phoenix, you know, it, it's an attractive city to, to, to bring players there and, and really work on their craft. And, you know, the, so the guys on a 40 man are, are, can't do that. now. Yeah. And how much did the pandemic season and having to train remotely and on their own, uh, you know, we heard the stories that are well-documented about Carlos Carrasco building a mound in his front yard and, uh, you know, just players finding places where they could safely train and practice. Uh, if it's on them to do that now, uh, how much did they learn back in two, uh, 2020 and can carry that over into this offseason? 
yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, they obviously have a little practice at it now. So uh, they should be, uh, you know, I think most players, what, Joe, they, they take a couple months off after the season. Uh, and they start, you know, usually throwing again, maybe, you know, late November, December, start, you know, start getting back in, in, in the groove. So, you know, they still got a little time to find a workout facility uh, or, you know, a baseball field or a high school team to work out with. Uh, in Arizona or Florida or wherever they live. Well, I did see Trevor Bauer put out his call to uh, Major League hitters for live at bats in the desert again, like he was doing during the uh, <laughs> during the pandemic, uh, where he famously struck out Jose Ramirez uh, in in one of his at bats out there. So, uh, could be interesting. Could be some developments uh, in, in that regard. Uh, you've been through this before, you know, like you mentioned, ninety four, ninety five. Uh, you've been through a lockout. Uh, what's uh what's the next step for us the the media the writers the reporters what's this going to look like for the next two months yeah this is the first uh, lockout since 1990 and uh that that lockout took place in february joe i was out in uh and that was when the indian the well when the indians were the indians and they trained in tucson and uh, i remember spending that lockout lasted about a month like 32 days and I uh, remember spending a lot of it in my hotel room, calling players, <laughs> seeing what the reaction was. Uh, there were some minor leaguers in camp. You know, that was when John McNamara was the manager and uh, Hank Peters was uh, the running the club. He was the general manager. Uh, we'd go out to the ballpark during the day, talk to those guys, and then uh, just sit there, <laughs> just, you know, write stories. Kind of the same story every day. You would call guys. Uh, you know, on, on, that were on the 40 man and we're back home. I remember calling a guy, uh, an outfielder named Bo Allred. And mm-hmm. he was, uh, he lived in Arizona, but he was out uh, like plowing the fields for on his dad's cot- cotton farm. He, he was driving a tractor <laughs> waiting to come to camp. And uh, so, you know, that's, you know, it, it was a strange time. I mean, and the lockout Joe lasted so long that uh, when I, this was when I was writing for the plane dealer, um, they, they were going to bring me home because they didn't see any too much sense in uh, staying out there. And it finally ended and, uh, you know, ended around, I think, February 22nd or 23rd. Or, and, uh, you know, they, they got, uh, you know, the, they got enough time in to, to get ready for the season, but they pushed the season back. Uh, they didn't open the season until April 10th that year. Oh, wow. So, so they did delay the start of the season because yeah, and they still got 162 games in, but they, right. they, they wow. did delay the season. well, you know, with any luck there, there won't be a need to alter the, the regular season schedule as is right now. Uh, and you, I think the, the opening day date is what March 31st. So, yeah. The, uh, yeah. The, the one thing I'm worried about Joe is uh, just how far, how serious the players are. You know, they're really kind of dug in on if they're dug in on making sweeping changes to the basic agreement. I mean, we could be here for a while because, you know, they're talking about changes of in arbitration and in free agency and revenue sharing. You know, and these are all these are all issues they agreed upon that they agreed upon. They they for years. This has been, you know, they went along with all these these issues. You know, they agreed upon it. They you know, they 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 signed off on it. And now that the uh, owners have have found a way to, to exist and to be successful inside this this uh, this basic agreement, now they want changes. And 
if you're the owners, why would you change? I mean, right. I guess, you know, you, you make some concessions around the edges, but why would you change on the principal core, the core issues of, of this agreement? I, I think, you know, we could be in for it here. You know, I, the more I think about it and it, it just depends how much the players, you know, are willing to concede, I think here and how many, how, or how many are hardcore and are really going to push for, you know, to change the whole thing. Right. Yeah. And, and they've been, the players have been walking around the last five or six years, just saying how they felt not necessarily screwed over, but, you know, not, not like they uh, got the kind of agreement they wanted in the last collective bargaining agreement. So uh, that, that really just sort of points towards, like you said, a lot of, a lot of hard feelings and digging in and wanting to see that change coming. I, I could definitely see that uh, being a major point of contention. All right, let's, uh, there will be plenty to talk about in the, in the coming weeks and days about this, uh, this lockout. So we'll, we'll get back to that. But uh, today we're going to talk about Ernie Clement. Uh, we're getting towards the, uh, the very end of our 40 man roster review uh, in terms of players who were on the roster last season. Uh, Ernie Clement, made his debut, a uh, guy who, who came up and had a reputation as a, you know, solid defensive player. Uh, there were times when we saw him put good short swings on the ball and, and you know, hit the ball hard, but we really didn't get enough of a sense of what kind of a, a hitter he could be. Uh, just a, a, an overall, uh, you know, not very, uh, you know, noteworthy uh, debut season for uh, Ernie Clement, what are we expecting out of him in 2022? Yeah, he's, you know, another one of these guys, uh, Joe, that they've collected, middle infielder, a guy that can play all over the diamond. You know, I, I remember watching him a couple of years ago in spring training. He made a great play at second base. He came over, you know, wasn't with the club then, but, you know, came, came over as a minor leaguer, made a great play at second base. And Terry Francona, as only uh, Tito can say, he said he, he, he made that play like he had a rocket stuck up his rear end, you know? So, I mean, this guy, this, he's a fast player, uh, you know, uh, a guy that really uh, kind of, an, you know, sprays the ball around. He had three home runs last season, right-hander. And, but I, I think, Joe, how do you think he fits with all these middle infielders that they've, they've added to the 40-man roster, Tanya and, and Rocio and, you know, um, where, where's, you know, is he's going to have a tough time making this, this 26 man roster. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And it's, if there was uh, a silver lining to him, it was that his defense, like you said, is, 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 you know, at least plus or advanced there, but they've got two, three, four guys behind him, young guys who are, are pretty slick with the glove and their, their hit tool is also, uh, you know, a lot better than, than his, I, I think he, Clement is one of those guys who is. It's more like he's he's a, he's about heart. He's about you know like the those intangible things and, and like a great clubhouse guy. Uh, who was it? Hammy was telling us a story about uh, Clement on the bus uh, out of <laughs> uh, I believe out of Chicago, and I won't go into a great detail uh, about the story, but uh, he just said you know he's this quiet, unassuming guy that you don't really sort of uh, pick as like this, uh, you know, big clubhouse leader, but uh, he, he had a reaction to the, the crowd outside on the bus. Um, and it, it sort of got the guys on the bus going. And that's the kind of the stories like that. They, they tell you that this is the kind of guy that they love having around in the clubhouse 
and the the team really rallies for him and, and pushes every time he every time he gets a hits a home run or or makes a big play it's it's like extra for the team because Ernie's the guy doing it you know uh, but that <laughs> he's not the kind of guy who's going to put up the numbers that would sustain a, a reason to have him on the roster for 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 an entire season he he might be a uh, an admirable fill-in if somebody gets hurt, but I, I can't see him as a, you know, wire-to-wire utility guy or a, a guy who, who secures a, a position on the field. Do, do you see Ernie Clement starting and, and, and staying at second base all year? I, I don't see I it. can't see. I, I can't see that, Joe. But, you know, unfortunately, he missed a good chance to really kind of establish himself at second base or get some serious reps there, you know, after they traded – Cesar Hernandez, he was, you know, he was getting the lion's share of the playing time at second base and doing all right last season. Then he got sick and kind of went on the injured list and then got sent down and we didn't see him again until September. So, you know, that kind of hurt him, but he, you know, Joe, I was looking at some of his numbers and maybe they could just bring him up when, when they're playing in the AL central against uh, Detroit and Kansas city, he hit 440 Mm -hmm. against the tigers uh, two of his three home runs, and he hit 400 against Kansas City, his other home run. So maybe they can just, uh, you know, keep him as a secret weapon against those guys. Yeah, and like you said, that uh, he did spend August 26th to September 6th on uh, on the COVID uh, injured list, but it, it, that that really sort of derailed his momentum because he he was making plays. He made a, a couple of nice plays at third base. I remember Cal Quantrill uh, getting out of a couple of jams because uh, Clement made some really nice plays there. Uh, they they like him in certain situations. It's just has he ever really is he ever really going to get the chance to show what he could do for a, at a, over an extended period of time? If if you're playing Ernie Clement at second or third base, that means you know the season's already been a wash or somebody's gotten hurt. Uh, those are the only circumstances I see him getting that time. He's the kind of the classic utility guy. I mean, if you, you know, that I think that's his role. That's probably his, you know, that if he could make a club like that and then, you know, then take it, everything else is gravy for him. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he comes from a, 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 a great program and had success uh, when he was, you know, he was drafted in the fourth round in 2017, I, I believe. What was he South Carolina? Uh, Virginia. Oh, Virginia. Yeah, it was Virginia, Virginia after yeah. they were at the, the College World Series. So, you know, he's he's won in, in places he's got. He, he went and played in the, the New York Penn League and, and was successful there. He was a, uh, a, a he performed in the, the Arizona Fall League in 20, what, 2018? Uh, you know, looked good there. So there's there's things to like about him. I just I just don't see him as enough of the, the total package. Does he risk? losing a spot on the 40 man roster uh, as they get closer to um, spring training, because, you know, obviously there, there will be pickups and ads and, and all that. There will probably be a big flurry of them uh, once the, once the two sides come to an agreement there and they can start making moves again. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Joe. And, and the one thing kind of in Ernie's favor, when you're looking at, uh, you know, his skill set. I think he can play shortstop, you know, and that's, that's really critical for, for a utility guy. He's, he played center field in college, so he can play, you can play him all over the place. 
And, you know, that could be, you know, an ace in his uh, back pocket, perhaps. But he's going to have a tough time uh, making this club. He's got two options left. So the Indians can still control him. And uh, he might be one of those guys that, you know, kind of bounces up and bounces between Columbus and Cleveland for a while until maybe he can find a spot with either, you know, with the Guardians or, or with another ball club. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up Ernie Clement. Um, and we will head into Friday, uh, the, the sort of the newfound territory. Uh, what's, what will tomorrow bring in terms of this, uh, this lockout and the next moves for the players and the owners? Uh, we'll keep track of it all here on uh, Cleveland.com and the uh, Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Twainsy, we'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, Joe.